Hello, this is Daniel Kilburn with Emergency Action Planning and the ACT ASAP podcast. The interview you're about to listen to was originally released in May of 2021 as part of the Conversations on Family Urban Disaster Planning. Hello, this is Daniel Kilburn with Conversations on Family Urban Disaster Planning. And welcome. Today's guest speaker is Jane Barlow. Now, Jane is an herbalist who owns and runs Barlow Herbal Specialties. She lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she enjoys hiking all over the mountains, teaching fitness classes, and Jane loves everything natural, holistic, wellness, fitness, and nutrition-oriented. Jane believes that it is our rights as humans to be vibrantly healthy and that if given the right tools, our bodies know how to heal itself. She believes that each of us are responsible for ourselves and the love, joy, spiritual, and physical health that we experience. So hello, Jane. How are you doing today? Hi, Daniel. I'm awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, well, thank you for coming and joining that. I really, truly appreciate it. So I'm going to ask you the first question, ask everybody the same question. What brought you to where you're at today and why did you choose to be there? So my dad was a medicinal botanist. So I grew up learning about natural remedies and herbal medicine. And, you know, I was raised in the 60s and 70s. This was way before this really started becoming a lot more prevalent where people started really, you know, I I think it's been the last probably 10 or 15 years. I've watched people really be interested in natural health because they've been failed by the medical system or whatever their reasons are. So what brought me to this was I grew up in natural medicine because my dad was a very well-known botanist, a medicinal botanist. And then he passed away 23 years ago and I restarted his company about 20 years ago. So this is just something I've I've kind of always been interested in because it was by default of my birth. Uh, But then as I got older, you know, I was in the fitness industry for 20 years and then my dad passed away and then I restarted his company. So, you know, everything that has to do with human health and wellness is, has always just been something that fascinates me. Well, that's actually very good because our health is a primary cornerstone of our life. And if, if we need to stay healthy, we need to have ways to do that. Yeah. So what, what interests me a lot about what you're doing is the way we got connected was your stance on disaster management. Now, it's interesting because that's not your primary subject. That's not your primary focus like mine. Your primary focus is in the health and well-being of people. And if you can use herbs and natural stuff to do that, you're all over it. So why is it that you feel that you need to take a stance on disaster planning? What's with that? Well, this has been something that has always been at the front of my mind because we grew up, um, I grew up in a family of my dad was and mom were very active in making sure that our constitutional rights were protected and, and being prepared. So we had, um, you know, I'm one of 14 kids, so that's a big family, but we always had a preparedness. You know, we had a year supply of food. We always, we tried to have a year supply of water. We had a grab and go bag. Um, if there was a natural disaster where each of us had a backpack that we could grab and literally go. And this was just always part of my growing up. And we, because of my dad, we knew how to identify plants in the wild. We knew which ones were edible, which ones were poisonous. So this was just kind of part of my upbringing. And then, you know, as I've just been an adult, and now that I'm not only a mom, but a grandma now, it's like, 
these are the things that we need to be paying attention to because we don't know when disaster is going to strike, whether it's a man-made disaster or a natural disaster. So even though herbal medicine and herbal, the love of herbs is my, is my business, you can't take out that piece because you can work, you know, have a disaster preparedness plan. But if you leave out, you know, what if you can't get to the doctor? What if you have an infection that, you know, that you can't, that you need to have the tools and the herbal knowledge. And it doesn't have to be a big wide knowledge, maybe like what I have, but there's some basics that everybody should be empowered with. So this has always been kind of a part of my message, but I think that this last year, year and a half has really made me bring it to the forefront because people need this piece. And I think it's just really, really important. Okay. So what I hear you saying there is people need to have the tools available to them to keep themselves healthy, healthy and yeah. in, uh, in the face of a disaster where um, your normal resources might not be available to you. Yeah. Now, I know different parts of the country. I've been around, I live in Florida now and things grow wild everywhere, but I'm quite sure that the flora and fauna of Florida are quite different than they are in Utah. So some of the tools that you might find in Utah to use for, let's say, an analgesic might not be found here in Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think that's why what we need to do is we need to actually have a kind of an emergency herbal preparedness kit so that we can get things that don't maybe grow in our area. Or maybe you don't have the skills to know how to go identify something. And then not only that, but how to prepare it. How do you, do you need to dry it or cure it or make it into a tea or a poultice or a tincture? I mean, there's, there's a whole big skill set, but there's actually ways. And this is, these are one of the things I teach people is how do I get these things? Then how do I learn how to use them so that, you know, I don't have to go, oh, I live in Florida. I have no idea what grows here and what the medicinal properties are. Like that's common. That's really, really common. But the, the beautiful thing is you don't have to know that. That could be an extended part of your research and maybe your education. But I would say, learn some basics, get them, have them in your home, have a kit, know what the shelf life is and know how to store them and then how to use them. And then, and then I would say, what I always tell people is don't just get a kit and store it, but get a kit and start using it. Like use it if someone has a headache or someone has a migraine or someone has a skin wound, start using some of these things so that when a disaster hits, you're not just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to use this kit that I have. So it's, yeah, it's, there is an identification thing, but I think that is a further step that you can add to your arsenal once you actually gather a kit and learn, learn about it. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. You're speaking to Drill Sergeant Daniel here. I'm totally aware oh, of yes, okay. Army Infantry Drill Sergeant. So I'm totally aware oh. of using the tools, train with the tools you need to work with. That way you will know how to use them when you do that. So that brings us up to this. Okay, so let's say there's, uh, the, what you do is not eclectic or unique. There's other people around the country that do this. I'm fairly certain you probably belong to a large group of people around the country that you can connect with on this. And so that would lead me to believe that regardless of where we live in the country, there probably is somebody nearby that could assist us with, with the local flora and fauna. And how would we find those people? What can we do to attract those people down? Well, I think the first thing to do is just start talking to people and, and right. join a group that's maybe a preparedness group. That's kind of the first part. Now here where I live in Utah, there's all there's, I'm surrounded by mountains here in the Salt Lake Valley. 
and I'm always out hiking. So when I'm out hiking, I'm going to run on the, on the trail. I'm going to run across people who are like-minded people. And I'm, I'm a very much of an extrovert. So I'm, right. I'm always chatting with people on the trail. So what I would say is first, start reaching out, start asking people, are there any groups of herbalists? Is there a place where I can go take a nature hike? You know, just start reaching out, find maybe a naturopathic doctor or someone who does natural medicine in your area. And really it's just a matter of maybe doing an online search or just start talking to people. Because I know that every, every group, almost every community, there are people, there are people that do what I do, people that do natural things and can actually take you on a nature walk and help you identify plants. So, you know, community is one of the biggest, best survival tips that I would say, and I'm sure you know that too, you've got to connect with your community because there are strength in numbers and your community is your first, first bet. So I would just start reaching out to, to where you are and go out, start hiking, start getting on the trails of where you live, no matter what that looks like. Well, that makes sense to me because, you know, every major metropolitan community has a, a whole group of different resources within it. So even if you don't know about it right this minute, a little hunt and, and you can probably find it pretty quickly and then reach out to those people because they're probably very happy and willing to give you as much information as they possibly can, right? Absolutely. Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay. So you were mentioning, have a small kit, start with getting something together, um, get it where you can, and then start using it, training yourself on it, you know, and it, it's, it's a building process. We're going to build something up here. So yeah. what if I wanted a little kit, where would I find such a kit? And um, obviously online, and I'm sure you probably produce those things, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so tell me about your kit. What, what's in that kit and what's it do? Yeah, so this this is actually something that we've had together for a long time, and it's really, really, really important. And because we've, like I said, I've been going twenty years since my dad passed away, and this is part of my deal: preparedness, preparedness. And when this whole virus thing struck last year, I made sure that all of my siblings, um, I, I'm the only one that carry out on, on my dad's work. Nobody else was really interested in that. So I called up every one of my siblings and said, okay, do you have this, 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 and this? And there's a checkoff of things, something that goes after a virus, something that's good for bacteria or fungus or mold, parasites, um, fevers, migraines, uh, skin wounds. And then even something as far as, um, you know, like cayenne pepper is uh, what's known as a vasodilator. It can actually help prevent a stroke or a heart attack if you know how to use it. So having cayenne pepper tincture or even cayenne pepper that you can stir into a glass and, you know, give to a person. So there's directions on how to use all these things. These are kind of the core, core pieces of an emergency essential kit and tinctures. So herbal tinctures are something that is uh, herbs that are extracted in alcohol and there's no water or glycerin added. So when you have a tincture, it has almost an indefinite shelf life. So this is literally something that you can have, you can have directions, you can learn how to start using them. But it will, it, so we have a kit, honestly, that will, that is, has mostly tinctures. It does have a skin salve that has also has a long shelf life. So for skin wounds, it's got an herb in it that's got antimicrobial properties. So if you get an infected skin wound, you would need something to put on that wound and to be able to bandage it so that it won't get infected. And this is very, very a powerful bone. Um, but this can literally sit in, you know, I would say get this kit. It's got instructions on everything in there and put it aside and then maybe get some of those extra things um, that you can use daily. 
like for in you know a skin wound or an infection or if you know you have fevers or headaches i mean these are things that come at us normally and naturally so yeah i mean it's i could talk about each of these individually and it's and if i will tell you if anybody wants i can send them information on a pdf if they just want to email and they can just read everything about it we'll get that information at the end of the interview so we can put it in so people can do that but, but what i hear you saying is what you have going on is basically in addition to whatever your natural home first aid kit might be. It's a, a supplement to it for if you need it, right? Yeah, I mean, Band-Aids, um, you know, gauze, things like that. You know, that's your basic. I mean, that's very, very basic. But here's something I would also suggest is learn how to do stitches, learn how to give stitches to, to somebody. And I'm not saying if you don't, I'm not saying if you have access to medical care, do it at home. No, if you have access to medical care, go get stitches from a professional. But if you are in a situation where you need to know how to get stitches, know how, you know, have the skills and the tools to be able to, and I think that goes in a first aid kit along with bandages, but you know, the antiseptic, the, the you know, something that's gonna give you, you know, like uh, keep it from getting infected. There, there are things that I would choose over what comes with your standard kit. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, a tourniquet, you know, a tourniquet, learn CPR. Well, you mentioned tourniquet. That's unfortunate with the whole, and I hate to bring it up, you know, the mass shootings and stuff we have around the country right now. It's actually based on my take, military using guns. Yeah. We all had a tourniquet or two. And so I think that's those type of skills you should learn automatically nowadays. I mean, it wasn't that time at that long in the past, but now I think it's very important to learn how to stop the bleed, stop the bleed. You know, it's just, it's one Me of the too. primary things and, and I hope no one ever has to use it, but I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. It's one of those types yeah. of things. Yeah. And I, that was something I actually learned, not only a tourniquet, but CPR, because I started teaching fitness classes when I was 18. So one of the requirements was CPR and every year or a couple of years, I had to get that updated and recertified. So right. I always stayed up on CPR and learning how to use a tourniquet because I, you never know when that situation is going to come at you. And yeah, it's a valuable skill to have. So are you saying basically that medical skills are somewhat perishable if you're not using them all the time? And even if you are using them all the time, there could be advances or changes in certain techniques or, or procedures that you need to be aware of. How would we find that information? You know, uh, that it actually surprised me once I got certified in CPR that every, I had to update it and keep current every couple of years because yes, there's things that change because as CPR is used by regular like EMTs, there's different techniques and different breathing things and different compressions that they, they show saves lives more. So I would just uh, look in online and local CPR training. And you can actually extend that in, into tourniquets and even stitches, what I found, because I know how to give stitches. And it's, uh, it's not that hard, it's not that difficult. Some people might be squeamish about blood and putting stitches in somebody, um, but find a person in your family who, who actually is interested in that and not squeamish. But yeah, easy to find, just go right online, type, type in um, CPR first aid training and it will come right up locally. So again, in the major metropolitan community probably has someone there teaching that stuff, right? Yep, and, yep. And, and the ideas are they're probably reputable. I mean, who would you say? You know, there's always the American Red Cross. Think about them. The uh, National Safety Foundation. Who else does that? You know, local colleges. 
at a worst case scenario, you can call your local fire department and ask them, right? The fire department was always who used to come and give it to our group. Would always okay. always the fire department, yeah. And they had so, they had the dummies and they had the they had all the all the equipment and yeah. Okay, so that's very interesting. So let me ask you another question. We were talking about learning what we're doing, maintaining that educational experience here, and so. Do you think that this is a skill that everyone in the family needs or should there be a primary and a secondary? How should this stuff be taught? Should we take the time to train everybody on it? You came from a large family. How long would it take to train all 14 of you, right? Or just one or two people or what, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, most of my siblings are interested in it because they grew up the same way I did. And they've, been, right. they've used all this stuff, herbal remedies on their families. There is only one other sibling that I have that is interested on the deep level that I'm interested. So I would say, yes, have a person who is interested, uh, take the reins and really start implementing it into the family for just your everyday wellness kind of stuff. And then a secondary person is always helpful in case there's, uh, it's needed. But no, I don't think everybody in the family needs to learn the depth of it, but there needs to be at least one person and, and a backup is good. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying a primary and a secondary. You yeah. Know, you got your, I think your a, primary. A yeah. So your your family first responder and then the backup in case that individual is not there for whatever reason. Yeah. Because we have to keep in mind that your first responder might be the casualty, and then therefore exactly. we need to. Yeah. That's definitely you have to remember that. Unfortunately, that does happen. So so there's a whole lot of information out there. And we talked a little bit about the sources that are available to us here, like American Red Cross, a couple other NGOs, your community colleges, your local first responders. Is there any place else that we can find this information? And I ask this because I grew up with hands-on training. Nowadays, everybody's hitting the internet, everybody's hitting YouTube, everybody's going online. What is the big gravitas between online education and hands-on education? Well, you know, part of it, I think, depends on how you learn. Now, I think most human beings, especially when it comes to things like um, first aid or survival, medical survival things, I think most people learn better. Like, this is my opinion, but I think most people learn better when they're actually physically doing it and actually phys physically experiencing it. Because I know if I watched CPR training and didn't actually get on that dummy and do the chest compressions and do actually do these things, that it wouldn't make as much sense to me if I was trying to do it, if there was actually an emergency situation. So I would say, even if you're an online learner, um, I think you need to go in person. You need to find a group, go with a group to learn CPR and tourniquet, um, first aid stuff, you know, find even one other person to, to go with you and maybe just form a small group that can go do these things and find, you know, find an herbalist in your, in your town. I promise you there's someone who's interested in this because this had to me, I've watched, I've watched this field in the last 20 years that I've been going explode because people are like, I need to know these skills just like my grandma did, or just like my great aunt did, or my, all the herbal remedies that, you know, my crazy, whatever, you know, relative did like, these are, these are things that are coming back. And I'm telling you, people are intensely interested in this. And this is something that you can't go wrong. So yeah, I, I don't think online is, you can get a lot of information there, but if you really want to know how to do it, um, you need to be in person. That's my opinion. Okay. So I'm thinking just to scratch your itch, get the online training and then transfer that to hands-on training somewhere yes. else and 
And yeah. that way you'll be more proficient as you're moving yeah. down the road. Yeah. So you mentioned getting in a group of people. So, you know, I propagate, you know, talk to your neighbors, get your neighbors involved in disaster planning, find out what they're doing, what they're not doing. So can we do something like that? So like, you know, X amount of mothers or fathers or other people who have a, a minor interest, can we collectively get them? Okay, well, let's all be the first responders and let's pull our resources and find this education and go out there. How would that work out? Would that be positive for the community or, or what? A hundred percent. In fact, I really believe that the very best thing people can do for, for survival is to get to know your neighbors. You need to have a strong community and it doesn't matter whatever it is, if it's maybe some part of the grid goes down or maybe a food supply gets cut off temporarily. If like I live on a street that has some pretty big lots on it and I have like four fruit trees and I have a big garden and all of my neighbors do, some of my neighbors have um, goats and some have chickens and some have cows that they actually raise. So for years, what we do is if I have a big basket of peaches that I simply can't eat, we trade, we barter. And so we all know each other. And to me, they all know what I do. I'm definitely the, the street herbal lady. <laughs> and, and everybody has different things. Like I don't have any animals that I raise or that I, you know, I just don't have the interest in doing that, but I am interested in fresh eggs. And if so I think if people were to get to know their neighbors, and it doesn't even matter if you live, say, in a, an apartment building, most people just walk by their neighbors and we're just so introverted with our own little, you know, our own little cocoon of a home that we don't even talk to the people that are in our building. So if you are in a, an urban area where maybe you live in an apartment building or a condo, it's imperative that you get to know your neighbors because what if there's a natural disaster you are trying to get out and you break your leg because whatever you, you, you're going to need to know, I mean, get to know these people. They are your best bet. And this might be hard for some people because we're not used to doing that as modern Americans or modern humans. We're used to being in our own little world with our own little entertainment. And, and this is not a very safe way to be, I believe in the world that we're living in. So what I hear you saying is get out of your shell, go knock on the neighbor's door next door and say, hi, my name is Dan. Who are you? I know I've lived next door to you for five years. We've never talked, but let's see what's going on, right? You are totally right on, Dan. And take yeah. a loaf of bread or take a, you know, if you grow tomatoes in your yard or, you know, let's just time to be neighbors again. It's really time to get back to that. And it sounds old fashioned, but it's the most beautiful way to live. And I think we're being pushed to go back to that, which is awesome. Well, you know, I find it interesting that you even bring up this subject because in my conversations with many people on the topics, the same thing keeps rising up is the lack of communication between us, our neighbors, our community, the lack of communication between us and our family, a simple lack of communication based on the way we've been brought up over the last few decades, which is sad. But you also do mention that a lot of people are seeing the light, they're recognizing it and they're stepping out. So why not us? Why shouldn't we just step out and get that plan going and you can work with your neighbor. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to find someone that makes a good apple cobbler maybe, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you realize that people aren't as scary as you think. And I really think that this is the whole gift of what this last year and a half has shown us is that as humans, we've been so disconnected from each other. Uh, it's time to get connected and it's, it's a beautiful gift and it's time for us all to stand up. That's, that's, that's what I think. 
Well, speaking of connecting, if somebody wanted to connect with you or find out what your resources are or what you have going on in your training, how can they go about doing that? So we have an, a website. It's uh, My company is called Barlow Herbal. So that's B-A-R-L-O-W-H-E-R-B-A-L. And it's just barlowherbal.com. And if you uh, go, you can opt into our newsletter, which basically we just send you information, but we can also send you a PDF of our catalog, which we, it's information we can't really put on the website, but it's information that we share because to me, it's about empowering you and educating you, not just saying, here's this supplement and good luck using it. Um, because what we do is really on a level of medicinal rather than just we do some things that just enhance your, your immune system and all that stuff too. But uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which is Barlow Herbal. And we, you know, I share a lot of stuff on there about, you know, how to take care of yourself naturally. And so that's the main place you can reach us is the website, the YouTube channel. We are on Instagram, but yeah. Okay. So what I hear you saying here is you have these products, you have these services you offer. And not only that, but you also have some training to back them up, right? Yeah, I mean, I do have an online course uh, because regardless of what I do, what I can share publicly, there's a lot of stuff that I can't share without without being, you know, censored or whatever. So I have an online course where I can literally, it's called become How to Become Your Own Medicine Man or Woman. And, uh, you know, I feel that everyone needs this knowledge because I have, I feel so confident walking through life knowing that I can take care of my husband, my kids, my grandkids because of the knowledge I have. Now I couldn't set a bone or if, you know, if we need trauma care, then yes, but for the everyday things that come at us, we don't go to the doctor. <laughs> you know, this whole virus that came around, this is how much I was scared. None, zero, zero for many reasons, besides the herbal arsenal I have, but yes. So, that, so yeah. what you're saying, you're just more prepared for it than most people. That's all, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say that's true. Okay. Well, let's keep it at that because you're preaching to the choir here. I understand that whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I so, know that I am and I can tell, even though we just met, I totally know. Okay. So <laughs> we've actually discussed a good amount of stuff here, but what have we not discussed? Is there anything that we have not talked about or something that you feel passionate about or very important that you would like to share with our audience before we call it a day? Yeah, I think that what people need to realize a couple things. First of all, the human body is absolutely miraculous. And if it gets the right tools, it knows how to heal. We're, we are designed for wellness. And the second thing is, is I think that our health is our most important asset. If we walk through life, no matter what natural disaster or man-made disaster, whatever happens, if we are able to walk through life healthy, we can, we can move, we can get up and down off the floor, we can carry heavy things if we need to. Um, we must take care of this human body so that it can actually assist us in being a vibrant human instead of letting it take, you know, we can do these habits that put us into, you know, maybe we can't get up and down from a chair very quickly as we age or we're stiff and aching, we take a whole bunch of medications. You know, we need to empower ourselves with vibrant health. And I've seen things turn around for people super fast if they are committed. So I think we need to take care of our most valuable asset, which is our human immune system and our health. And I think that if people start doing that, that, that alone can completely change the game and how you feel about no matter what happens in the future. 
Right, that sounds fantastic. So here's another question. It just came to me for some reason. I felt like I had to ask you. I'm not sure why. I, I get a lot of people who, you know, we have people who have their reason for not preparing. It's not going to happen to me. If it happens, it's not going to be that bad. If it happens and it's bad, it's going to happen to the other guy. If it happens, we're all dead anyway. Um, so let's look at the it's never going to happen concept. If we spend our time and energy preparing ourselves and our family for these things and, and strengthening our community and nothing happens, how does that affect us? How will we be better people just by taking the process and making it work? There's a thing called peace of mind. And I think that that helps me sleep better. It helps relieve my stress when I get stressed about things that happen in the world. Um, I think peace of mind gives you, you know, if you're stressed and you're not sleeping, or maybe, maybe you really don't care. Maybe you think that it doesn't really matter if I'm prepared. Uh, I think there are people that, that have those that are like that. And I don't think I can convince them just like you probably couldn't convince them either. <laughs> so I think that for people who maybe are sitting on the fence or know they need to do something, just, I think, I think most people, like it gives me peace of mind, but it also just gives me the skills to have a better life. Like, I don't think that I, it's, I'm wasting my time on any level. To me, my life is vibrant and happy and healthy. And to me, that's how we should, that's how we should live life instead of scared, or maybe I should do this, or what if this happens? And when you're prepared, you have peace of mind. All right. Well, that sounds fantastic, James. So everybody heard it straight from Jane Barlow. Be prepared. And if you never have to use it, you're still going to be happier. So that's always good. So Jane, we're going to be putting your contact information down in the bottom here somewhere once this gets aired up. And I hope you the best day, best of days. Thank you, Dan. It was lovely to talk to you.